If you got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and we'll give you eight verses of Scripture tonight. And I, I'm going to talk to you uh, about something that's probably nearest and dearest to my heart. I'm going to talk to you about prayer. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about things God taught me about Him in ways that I'm still learning to engage God in prayer. Listen to me. Prayer is not just a discipline, though it is. It's a gift. That prayer is the way in which we engage relationally to a God that has saved us and redeemed us and wants us to get to know Him. Prayer, listen to me, is not merely you talking. It's a conversation. It's you walking with your heavenly Father and learning the language of the kingdom of God. Learning how to talk to Him about life in real-time ways. So, in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, the Lord gives us a, par- a parable. Jesus does. And a parable is a few things. A parable is a picture. I blink. Oftentimes, Jesus would give a parable so that we could see through that parable something that is true of the kingdom of God. So when you lean over a parable, and the disciples often would say, man, like, help us to understand that parable. What, it, what Jesus kept saying, I want you to keep looking at it until you see that a parable is this way in which God is going to reveal something that's, that, that, listen to me, that you need to see not merely with your eyes, but with your spirit. And in Luke 18, 1 through 8, is a parable that's teaching us the spirit of prayer. That the way prayer works, one aspect of prayer, it's a picture. You'll see, and it also gives us the purpose of prayer. Let me read all eight verses, and we'll dive into it. And he said, and he told them, being Jesus, a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. And then he said, here's the parable. In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not. God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he, have, will he find faith on the earth? Pray with me real quick. Father, I ask revelation. Spirit of God, would you reveal in such a way that we would never pray the same? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the verse 1, he gives us the purpose of the parable. He said... He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. The purpose behind this parable is to teach us the necessity of prayer. That prayer is not just merely something we learn how to do. That prayer is, hear me now, it's a, wall, it's a wartime walkie-talkie, as John Piper said, between heaven and here. That prayer is this way in which we continually converse with the God of the universe and say, hey God, just in case you can't see, though I know you can, I'm going to let you know what's happening right now. That prayer is not merely the way that we start a day, but it should be the way that we start a day. But merely, that prayer is the way that we sustain in this broken world throughout the day. That there's few things that are more pride-filled than having a prayerless life. That our lack of prayer shouts to God, I think we got it on our own. But a prayer-filled life declares our dependence upon Him. A prayer-filled life invites the God of the universe, the all-powerful creator of all things, into everything, into anything. 
that we ought always to pray. There's not a situation in your life that doesn't need to be prayed over. You hear me? There's not an aspect. There's not anything that you will ever entertain. There's not anything that you'll ever enter into. There's not anything that you might have to overcome that is not a perfect thing to be prayed for and over. That you never met a person that didn't need prayer. You never met a situation that prayer can't change. That we ought always to pray. What situation in your life doesn't call for prayer? Now, y'all have heard some of my story uh, I've shared. I didn't grow up in the faith around the things of God. And I remember the Lord's Prayer before football games. You know what I'm talking about? Man, we'd be cussing like a sailor, and then you kneel before the breakthrough banner right before the thing. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> That's about the only prayer I knew. I'm being real with you right now, all right? I didn't understand this thing, and I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Started getting discipled by that wild man, Andy Heiss. And I, on Sunday, I came to Christ on Thursday at 6 a.m. I, st- I met with them at Shoney's. Y'all still got Shoney's around here? Listen, come on now, right? For two years, every Thursday morning, I met with them at Shoney's. Man, you were dying a couple ways. You, one, you could smoke back then in Shoney's. And so you, you were cutting your way through the smoke at 6 a.m., and then you were eating the breakfast buffet. Like, so, man, that was getting you closer to Jesus in more ways than you wanted, right? <laughs> That's true. That's why I'm on cholesterol meds right now, right? But I would meet with, from 6 to 7, I'd meet with him and the baseball coach, and we'd open up the scriptures, and I was learning everything, and I was just eating it, eating it, devouring it. And I'd never heard Jonah in the great fish before. And I'm like, y'all, come on now, tell me something here. I never learned these things about the kingdom of God, but, man, I was panting for God, and I was getting to know him through his word. And Heiss, if you know Andy Heiss, he'd say, boy, what do you got going on? I said, man, I got a class at 9. He said, well, why don't you come to church and pray with me? I said, why well, don't I? And we went into a, called it Lighthouse. It was an old church building that had been set apart for students and college stuff at that point. And he walked in there and he turned on the CD player. I know kids don't know that. Look at Google it if you want to. Later. <laughs> they turned on the CD player. And he said, boy, I'm going to start walking around and praying. And David Jett had taught him this. He said, you walk around and pray, and then we'll get together and pray together. I'm like, uh, okay. I'm four days into the faith. And they turned on the CD player. He turned on the CD player, and he started walking. And I, like, stalked him. I was watching him as he was walking around. He said, Father. And I said, you know what, Father. Hey, Lord, we need some help in this. And I was like, you know what? I actually need help in that too. So I started learning how to pray by hearing him pray. And before long, listen to me, I moved beyond words into the presence of my father. And then we got together. Listen to me. Started shaping my life. Two years later, I'm surrendering to ministry. And they hired me and they put Andy Heiss as my supervisor. Right? (laughs) He's a Coca-Cola guy, and I'm a coach. I've been a student coach. I was moving toward being a coach. And he knew like two steps more in ministry than I did, but only two. And I remember our first meeting together. I looked at him, and I said, Bull, (laughs) so what do we do? (laughs) What does a pastor do? I'm genuine. I mean this. What does he do? And he said, man, I don't know. 
He said, but I, th- I think we ought to pray. And Andy and I made a commitment together. You ready? And I've been living in that commitment for 21 years. They said, why don't we, me and Andy together, came to this conclusion and then held each other accountable. We said, why don't we pray one hour of every work day together? So we don't know what else to do, but we know we ought, we ought to do that. And so we prayed one hour together. We walked 100 miles in that lighthouse. And watched the kingdom come. Let me tell you the truth. 21 years into ministry, most of the time I have to unlearn all the things I've learned since so that I could be reminded of that, that God taught us week one. Y'all look at me. Prayer is this privilege that is given to the people of God. You'll meet people that might have more intellect than you have. You'll meet people that might have more gift sets or natural talents and abilities. Man, I I run in, I I know, I can give you a hundred preachers that are more powerfully anointed by God than I am. And I know know a thousand leaders that are better leaders than, than I am. But listen to me, none of them have a greater place in the presence of God through prayer than I do. None of them do. Nobody can pray your prayers. Y'all hear me? Nobody. The pastors can't pray your prayers. The spiritual leaders can't pray yours. God has given you a post and an advantage in prayer, a vantage point that only you have. Ought always to pray. And I love the next part of this, and to not lose heart. Anybody ever lost heart? Come on now. Let me tell you two truths I think that God is saying in this passage of Scripture that I've studied it out some. I think there's two aspects. I think that you can lose heart in your prayer life. Anybody ever done that? And I think he's also telling us that prayer is a way in which that you find heart. That there's something that happens in places of prayer where God encourages his kids. Man, come on now. There's something that happens as you learn how to walk around with God personally that God puts into you courage that he binds up the broken heart that there is listen to me prayer not only changes the world prayer changes the prayer prayer not only changes things here on earth that invites God to do but prayer changes the person that actually prayed it changes the person that prays that it puts courage back into you I can't tell you how many times I've walked around with the Lord. I'm a walker when I pray. I love, listen, if I lay down for a little while, I'll be like, Lord, I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, y'all be honest, you are too, right? <laughs> that resonated right there. I felt that. I'm also I am. I know that about me. So I know how I pray at my best. My wife can sit and write out a love letter to the Lord. If I did that, man, it looks like a serial killer is making a plan. Like, I don't, I don't that, ain't, that ain't me. But it is her. But I, I, got, I got three of these. I, ain't got any, I, got any, I don't have anything on this planet that's more valuable than me. Those are prayer cards. I got three of them. I redid them. In January, I, guess what I'll do? I'll redo them this next January. 
I got every one of my kids. There's five cards in itself. <laughs> and I got promises for my babies. Let me tell you something. I want to pray for my kids, but you know what I'll do? I'll forget. Well, I got it tangibly right here. I got promises that I'm praying. I got passages of Scripture that are not merely things I'm memorizing. They're things I'm believing. That I'm bringing before the God of the universe. And let me tell you what happens. When I bring these into God's presence, when I'm walking through a hard time, it helps my heart. It helps my heart. Because I listen to me. I've watched, this, I've watched over 21 years. I started doing this because I saw another guy do it. I said, I, I'm, I was bold enough to see somebody else. I was riding in the car with a pastor that I, I thought a lot of. And he had a stack of cards, not quite like this, same principle. And I said, hey, what's that? He said, it's my prayer cards. I said, cool, what do you mean? He said, it's stuff I know I need to pray for, but I often won't if I don't put it down. And guess what I went and did? I got me some cards. I'm not telling you this is the way you got to do it. But I can't wait to find out what way you do it. What day you come into. Because listen to me. This right here will help your heart. It will help your heart. Second part of that is this. Listen to me. Prayer is hard. Because listen to me. Prayer is a way that you unpack real stuff. Anybody got any prayers that we would call unanswered? Come on now. Right? I, I, listen, the Lord cashed in a 21-year prayer for me last fall, and my dad was born again. <laughs> Come on, right? Come on. But I, but I still got a sister, my baby sister, that's very far from God. Those kind of things hurt, don't they? Anybody ever lost heart in your prayer life? And the enemy will look at you and say, I don't work. See, he's not hearing you. It's not happening the way that you're praying for it to happen. And there's mystery in this thing called prayer. I can't give it, I can't, listen, I can't explain it all to you. Let me tell you, the longer I've walked through the Lord, here's something that I've learned. I'm way less concerned about the prayers that seem to go unanswered than I am about the ones that go unasked. That is a big principle. I'm way less concerned about the prayers that seem to go unanswered than I am about the ones that go unasked. You have not because you ask not. And what I'm, I don't think that we, I don't think that the, the greater underlying issue in the prayer life of Underwood Baptist Church is the things that God's just not answered yet. I believe that the greater issue is the things you ain't asked Him for yet. That God would fill this house with His glory. That God would fill this house with far from God people. That God would fill this house with transformation. How many of you are asking for that? How many of you are asking for transformation in the lives of your neighbors, in your own personal family, in the life of your children? I'm looking into the eyes of the next generation. How many of you listen to the saints of God in the room? How many of you are crying out both day and night for these kids? Saying, oh God, raise up a remnant. Oh God, raise up a generation that is passionate and are white hot for the glory of God. That transformation comes through their obedience in their schools and their athletic teams and the influence you've given them. God, would you send a revival? Would you send a great move of God? So don't get tripped up over the few things that seem to go unanswered. 
I love what Tony Evans said when asked. He lost his dad, his wife, and a brother in like six months. And man, I don't know if y'all have ever heard Tony Evans preach. That's preaching. <laughs> and I love him. Somebody asked him, so what about your God now? Some jerk. You ever met one of them before? <laughs> I was like, man, I'd love to have been with him. Like, can I just hit him for you? Like, <clears throat> this is the fifth time I've preached. You're getting all of my honesty right now. <laughs> and, uh, and Tony Evans says something awesome. He says, well, I've made my decision a long time ago to cast my lot with a God I don't always understand than to try to live out this life in this broken world alone. That'll work, won't it? So don't lose heart. And then he gives us the parable. I'm taking too long here, I'm sorry. Verse 2, it says, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though... Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now what's interesting is that Jesus chooses these characters in this parable. And, and listen, and Jesus gives us a parable about prayer. Remember that. And he gives us two people. Or who are the two people? An unrighteous judge who just sounds like a horrible human being. Doesn't fear God, doesn't care about people. And then a widow woman. Now, let me tell you what the scripture tells us explicitly about widows from front to finish. God loves them. Charges the church to care for them, right? Let me tell you what the scripture doesn't do. It doesn't belittle a widow. It doesn't say that a widow doesn't have value. Matter of fact, it, it supports the value every widow has, but it also calls the church to care for her. That's not what God's after in this moment. What God is trying to say to every person, man or woman, that we, that we relate to God as it pertains to our prayer life like a widow. We say, well, what does that mean for the dude in here going like, I don't know, man. <laughs> let, me tell you what, let me tell you what every widow needs at some point. A widow needs somebody that will stand with them. And at some point, a widow will need somebody that will stand for them. And look at me. We're more like widows than, than we are self-sufficient. And what this unrighteous judge has, though he didn't earn it, he does have authority. So here's the principle that he's trying to teach us in prayer. You ready? That prayer is the way in which we as dependent people Come and ask God who has authority to stand with us and to stand for us. So this, Jesus is saying, look, this widow understand the way things works is that she needed someone to stand on her behalf and prayer is a way that we come before our, our Father. I want to let you in on something. You ready? You got an adversary. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. That's always tied to prayer, by the way. Always tied to prayer. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around, very important, like a roaring lion. Not 
is a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Anybody ever seen a lion in his hood? Uh, it's one thing. You go to the zoo, they're cute. You're like, oh, I'll play with you. You know, like you go to Africa and see one where he lives, ain't cute no more. Killer, right? I, I was in Namibia, and they took us to a park, and they said the, the, the South African guy uh, says, there's lions around here, you know, like, and that's cool. And then he stops and goes, actually, I just saw a twitch of a tail. Let's sit here. Well, we sat there for like an hour, and then a lioness stood up. You're like, you know, like, which was awesome. And then you got antelope and different stuff. And then the male lion stood up. Audible gasp in the truck. And then that joker comes walking. No cages, no fences, no nothing. Comes walking, never looked at us once. Not one time. He's like, man, I'll just push that truck over. You know, like, because they're ginormous. Had blood. Like the stain of where they'd obviously was eating something out there. And I was like, this is it. This is how I die. You know, like. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, it's the truth. It paralyzed me. All of us. Just with like, <laughs> Listen to me. The enemy's roaring like a lion. He just ain't the lion. And what prayer does is calls on the line of the tribe of Judah. You ever, you ever watched the, was it Narnia? That moment, moment when the witch is speaking to Aslan and he lets out that roar and it just it sits her. In your prayer life, you're inviting the line of the tribe of Judah. Roar on my behalf. Put my adversary in his place. Silence his lies, his deceptions, his schemes. Untangle me from this snare that I find myself in. I repent of my disobedience. And I'm asking for you to go on the offensive here. The adversary is after me and I need someone who has authority in the line of the tribe of Judah steps in and says, I got it. That prayer is, is listen to me, prayer is seeing that spiritually play out. Prayer's not pretty like words that we're trying to put together. Like there's never been a phrase you've turned that impressed God. There's never been a moment where God went, man, that was good, y'all. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> I mean, I guess we got to do that, right? Like, they got me on the wording. <laughs> Let me tell you what God hears. A cry. A desperate plea. Oh, God, please help. God, please move. God, please see us. Step in. War for us. Give us wisdom, give us discernment, give us encouragement, give us direction, give us hope, give us help. And then Jesus, the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not God give justice to his elect? So he breaks from the parable and he says, all right, you see this bad guy? Just imagine if that bad guy finally gives up because the widow won't quit bothering him. 
how do you think a good God might respond? If a bad guy finally gives in, how about a good God that hears the prayers of his kids? And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he, not, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Speedily. Uh, let me tell you what I found. The problem's not ever in the presence of God. It's always in the heart of his people. It's a weird thing when we start trying to figure out what God's doing wrong. It's a weird thing. I'll go with you a little bit on disappointment. I get it. I'll go with you on things that didn't go the way you quite hoped for. I get it. But when people start asking those questions too much, I want to remind them and remind myself, hey, the reason why this is all broken is because that was a big fall in Genesis 3. And we could still be dead in our trespasses and sin. Yet Jesus came and brought us home to him. So hard times do happen here, but heaven's coming. So let's don't play the blame game with God. We, don't, we won't like the end result. The reason why we experience sickness and pain and hardship is because we looked into the face of holy, 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 and we said no. Let's leave it there. And then in the midst of this brokenness, God redeemed us and said, Hey, why don't you talk to me about your pain? Why don't you talk to me about your hurt? Why don't you talk to me about your hardship? Why don't you let me walk into that with you? Why don't you let me help you navigate those things in this broken world? The question is, will we cry out both day and night? See, <clears throat> I have learned and am learning that prayer has to have rhythms. And for me, I, I'm, I'm a little disciplined. Uh, there's the old athlete part of me that likes task-oriented, the coach part of me that likes a play script and all those kind of things. But the truth is this, is nothing, nothing as it pertains to prayer is spiritually natural for anybody. It's all learned. So my question to you tonight is, what's tomorrow morning going to look like? both day and night. What patterns are in your life? I've learned some from me. Hey, there's a moment in the morning and I'm just, can we just talk for a minute and let you into my prayer life? I got prayer cards. I'm going to give an hour to God tomorrow and pray because our staff has a spiritual rhythm that if you work at Crossgates Baptist Church, we pray one. As a part of your job, we give one hour to solely praying for God's work in the life of this church and for the people God's entrusted into this city, all those things. That's a spiritual rhythm. I don't think I'm going to get to heaven and realize, man, that was a waste of time. I'm going to get to heaven and say, man, I wish I prayed more. I wish I prayed more. But that's, my, that, that's me as a pastor. But me as a cross follower, the first thing I'm going to do tomorrow morning is I'm going to kneel. I'm going to kneel. And the only reason I do that, listen to me, is because I know I need him. And I'm going to pray the full armor of God over my entire family tomorrow morning. Because the enemy hates my wife and my children. And he's placed me in spiritual authority, and I'm going to do it. 
And I'm going to pray for the fruit of the Spirit in my family to be displayed as Christ is doing His work in me and my wife and each of my children. That's the start. That's not the stop. I have, I have prompts and ways that I pray my way through the day. I have a, a spiritual hero of mine that has learned a rhythm in which he prayed every morning. He would get up and he had this practice. He got up. He had three young sons in this season of his life and that he would get up early. He was an early morning guy. He got up early in the morning. He'd make him a cup of coffee. He'd go to their living room couch and that he would kneel and stick his head into the same pillow and that he would pray a few things to start his day before he read his Bible. Well, he gets up early one morning. You know, if you got young kids, you know this, like where you're tiptoeing. You're like, oh, please, Lord Jesus, please don't let anybody wake up. I asked for the spirit of Benadryl over all my kids. <laughs> Keep them asleep. Y'all know that's real, y'all. All right. You're like, I think I heard them cough. Give them some Benadryl. <laughs> Confession's good for the soul, right? But he said he was kneeling there. Um, this is one of the best stories. I've actually heard his kids talk about it. He said he was kneeling there, and he heard the pitter-patter of feet. And he knew all three of them were up. He's like, oh, I'm about to get up and put them. And he said, and the Spirit of God said, no, I want you to stay right here. He said, I just stayed in that position, praying. He heard his kids come into the room. And then... The next thing he felt was two on one side and another on the other. And all three of his sons knelt beside him. And the Lord said, I just wanted them to see this. Hey man, prayer should be such a part of our faith that our children and future generations should see it. Should we pray first. We pray in the middle. We pray at the end. We pray our way through. That it's not just something we got to do, it's who we are. That we are a people of prayer who cry out both day and night. So I ask you, if we believe that prayer is not merely a part, but it's the greater work, can you tangibly find it on the rhythm of your calendar? If I just hung out with you all day, if I just hung out with you, how often will we pray? What will we pray about? What will we pray over? He said, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he'll give justice to them speedily. Let me tell you what I found about the Lord, and I'm wrapping up. I know you're hot. <laughs> Isn't it sort of contrary to say pray day and night, pray day and night, to give us a parable about this widow that just keeps on bothering, that keeps on knocking, that keeps on a annoying and then Jesus takes that parable and feathers that truth by saying who cry out to me continually day and night and then you say he answers speedily that doesn't feel like speedily does it does it feel like speedily to pray for 21 years and then my father come to Christ you're like Lord I don't know if I'd define that as speedily <laughs> let me tell you what I found about prayer Prayer is laying these things before God, laying them in that bowl before him, and he's smelling them, and he's seeing them, and he's taking them in, and he's moving, and he's doing what we cannot see in an unseen world. 
and that you're praying, that you're seeking, that you're asking, that you're knocking, that you're continually coming and day and night, 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 God. Lord, please do something here. Please do something. Please do Ooh, Lord, you just did it. God is never late. He's just rarely early. He's right on time. And what I've learned about the Lord, and I love this, I've learned this about prayer. My responsibility is to keep asking. God's responsibility is to be God. And God's real good at his job. And when he moves, watch out. Watch out. It'll look like a rushing wind. It'll look like a wave crashing. It'll look like a breakthrough you've believed for before you could see it. And then here's a passage that I pray. Look, I ask the Spirit of God to sear this into your spirit right now. Spirit of God, sear this into the spirit of every cross follower. And then Jesus, it seems like he just breaks and says, let's talk. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, you ever had your, your mama do that to you? And on, on, and on another note, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? And while we're talking, Jesus says, in light of this entire eight verses is about one thing, right? Prayer. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You ready? When the sky opens and our king comes, will he find faith? Now, let me ask you something. Is he talking about saving faith here? The answer is no. Context matters. He's asking, will he find praying faith? When the, listen to me. When the sky opens and the Son of Man comes... Will he find his children praying in faith? Because when the kingdom of God comes unfolding one day, in the majesty of God, and the, the omnipotence of God, Lord, the omniscience of God, man, the divinity of God, the power of God, when it all comes unfolding one day, when you see manifest glory, when you see the transcendence of God, man, when you see the weight of God, when you see the work of God, when you see the restorative power of God, when, listen, he makes all things new, when the Son of Man comes, when he puts the exclamation point on his story in eternity, starts playing out, when the Son of Man comes, in light of who he is and how much power he has, will he find the kind of faith through the prayers we've prayed that makes sense? Here's the picture. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I don't have any predictions for y'all. But let's just say it soon. Let me tell you what I love about the New Testament. They live like it's tomorrow. That's the only, by the way, that's the only option. But let's say he, let's say he comes in the next year. 
when the sky parts and he starts riding in, what prayers are going to meet him in the air? Because it only makes sense that we've believed him so big that when he comes, you're like, oh, he's about to do it even bigger. Because <laughs> in that moment, we'll know he's capable of anything. Sadly, many of us, though, have asked him for nothing. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I pray he would find this church filled with faith that is evidenced through prayer. You let that happen here? I tell you, my prayer for tonight as I leave you is that a spirit of intercession would set on this house. Would set on this house that turned the world upside down. There's more prayers in this room that started, listen to me, in an upper room. Think about that. There's more potential. There's more possibility. There's more prayers that can be prayed. You say, yeah, that was then. Absolutely. And this is now.